Hello everyone and welcome to Genocide News Now, a bi-weekly news update from the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast. We are your hosts, Teresa Merck and Sara Alarid, and you can find us at www.lemkeinstitute.com, as well as on Patreon, Spotify and iTunes. Our final episode of 2023 will feature news about the war between Russia and Ukraine, as well as the latest from Israel and Gaza. We will then conclude with the situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo. To start, Sarah, the war in Ukraine has been ongoing for 22 months now. What can you tell me about its latest development? Sure. So as you said, after 22 months of war, the situation between Russia and Ukraine can be best described as a stalemate, with Russia hoping to gain an edge in the winter months. A counteroffensive by Ukraine this summer had disappointing results, as signals from allies of wavering financial support spell out a difficult winter ahead for Ukrainian troops. Despite this, Ukraine managed to strike a Russian warship at the port in Crimea on Tuesday, December 26th. This comes just days after Ukrainian military stated that it shot down five Russian fighter jets in three days, two major successes for Ukraine. Unfortunately, the ground campaign is seeing less positive results, with Ukrainian troops retreating from the eastern city of Marinka after fighting to defend it for months. Despite insistence by soldiers that they remain fiercely determined to win, there are signs that this determination may be wearing thin. Expressions of discontent and frustration among Ukrainian soldiers have become more common out in the open, a departure from the earlier phase of the war, wherein such concerns are both rare and limited to private discussions. Russia currently controls about one-fifth of Ukraine, but Russian forces hope to push further into eastern Ukraine in the winter months, providing Russian President Vladimir Putin good campaign material to be included in his upcoming re-election campaign. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky paid an in-person visit to Washington DC the week of December 12th in order to appeal for more US funding for the war. Republicans in the House are the reason that much-needed funding for Ukraine has not been allocated. Another important concern is the fact that almost 20,000 Ukrainian children have been forcibly taken out of Ukraine and into Russia by Russian forces since the start of the war, where they are forbidden to speak Ukrainian or keep their Ukrainian citizenship. According to Article 2 of the Genocide Convention, forcibly transferring children of the group to another group is an act of genocide. On December 8th, Executive Director of the Lemkin Institute, Dr. Elisa von Joden Forgi, traveled to Kyiv in order to attend the first meeting of the International Coalition of Countries for the Return of Ukrainian Children, sponsored by the Office of Ukrainian Ombudsman, wherein she laid out the case for genocide in this context, with special attention paid to the forced removal of children. To read Dr. von Jodenforgi's full statement, be sure to navigate to Public Presentations tab on the Lemkin Institute website under the Our Work page. It is vital that with everything else going on globally, that the United States and the European Union remain staunch allies of Ukraine and signal to the international community that they are invested in the future of Ukraine and will continue supporting the Ukrainian war effort going forward. Further, the children forcibly transferred to Russia must be returned to their families. Turning now to the Middle East, and more specifically Israel and Gaza, Teresa, the last time we touched on this topic, the United States had just blocked a UN resolution calling for ceasefire in the region, and humanitarian coordinators has warned about worsening and hellish conditions on the ground in Gaza. What's the latest you can share about what the conflict looks like today? Thank you for that update on Russia and Ukraine. 
In regards to the situation in Gaza, it likely won't come as any surprise to our listeners that it has only grown more dire in recent weeks, with at least 20,915 Palestinians killed since the start of the conflict on October 7th. According to Gaza's health ministry, on December 26, 241 people were killed and 382 injured in the course of 24 hours. The Israeli military has said that the Air Force hit 100 targets in the south of the Gaza Strip in 24 hours. It is difficult to comprehend at this point in Israel's military campaign what would need to occur in order for it to lose the support of the United States. As we have seen, the raiding of hospitals, the forced starvation of the civilian population, the targeting of refugee camps, none of these actions appear to be moral enough for the Biden administration to offer anything more than lip service to the importance of saving civilian lives in Gaza. While his handling of the situation may well cost him his re-election in November 2024, it is of little use to the people of Gaza if President Biden faces the consequences of his inaction 11 months from now. In regard to the current hostage situation, the Israeli Defense Forces, or IDF, revealed just how indiscriminately they go after civilians on Friday, December 15th, when they accidentally shot and killed three Israeli hostages who managed to escape Hamas captivity. Despite the hostages, Yotam Haim, 28 years old, Alon Shamriz, 26 years old, and Semer Talalka, 22 years old, doing everything they could to identify themselves as a non-threat, the IDF opened fire on the three as they exited a building a few meters away from the troops, killing two instantly and injuring the third, who retreated back into the building out of which they came. After hearing a cry of help in Hebrew, a battalion commander ordered troops to stop firing. Despite this, another burst was fired, killing the third hostage. A lieutenant general with the IDF described the precautions taken by the hostages, stating they, quote, did everything possible so that we would understand. They moved around shirtless so that we wouldn't suspect them of carrying explosives, and they held a white cloth, but the tension overcame all of the above, end quote, according to a video statement released Saturday, December 16th. Although an IDF commander has admitted that this incident went against the rules of engagement, Jonathan Conrykus, the spokesperson for the IDF, said Friday that they could not rule out something like this happening again. Conrykus stated that, quote, combat in open terrain is one of the most challenging and dynamic environments known to man, so we cannot rule that out, end quote. When taken together with the news released by the IDF on Tuesday, December 19th, that of the 105 soldier casualties that have occurred within the IDF, since October 7th, 20% were a result of friendly fire, it is quite clear that the IDF is operating in a clumsy, trigger-happy manner with thousands of Palestinian civilians and a handful of Israeli soldiers paying the price. Indeed, the above-quoted statement by IDF spokesperson Konrykus seems more like a justification for such behavior both now and in the future than a condemnation or promise to do better going forward. The Lemkin Institute continues to maintain that Israel is committing genocide and intends to empty Gaza of Palestinians in one way or another. We recognize the evidence of genocidal intent on the part of Hamas and condemn the wanton attacks on civilians on October 7th, but there is never justification for genocide.
the ICC should investigate Israel's leadership for perpetrating genocide, and the Biden administration must be investigated for complicity in genocide. There will undoubtedly be more news from this region in the new year, and we will be here to bring you the latest. For now, we will switch gears to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Sarah, there was recently an election in the country. What can you tell us about those results, as well as what else is happening there? Well, as you said, the last time we checked in on Congo, the elections were coming up. Almost a week out from the election, voters are still waiting to hear back about the results, while the opposition wants the presidential vote to be annulled and is reportedly preparing for mass protests. The vote has been married by allegations of fraud, logistical problems and violent attacks. While the Electoral Commission has said that early results indicate that President Felix Tshisekedi is in the lead, it is unclear whether the results will be accepted by the public. One presidential candidate, Nobel Peace winner Dennis Mukwege, said that he fears, quote, that the results of such a chaotic vote will not reflect the will of the people, end quote. Previously, we also talked about the withdrawal of troops from the East African Community, EAC, regional force, and how Kinshasa also requested its UN MONUSCO force to leave. The UN Security Council has now agreed to early withdrawal. This is about a year earlier than originally planned, despite continued concerns about violence. The Democratic Republic of Congo has only seen one peaceful transition of power in the last 63 years. Therefore, this week's election is very important for democracy in Congo, and the voting irregularities are concerning. Both the elections and the withdrawal of troops from the eastern provinces are alarming for the safety of the civilians in the area. We at the Lemkin Institute urge the DRC to protect the civilians and to ensure a safe and fair election. In the new year, we will get back to you listeners with the results of the voting and what it will mean for the country. Thank you, Sarah. We absolutely will. And with that, thank you for joining us today for our final anti-genocide episode of the year. Be sure to tune in in the new year for the latest breaking news related to genocide and conflict occurring around the world. And be sure to visit our website at www.lemkininstitute.com for more on our work in the field of genocide prevention. And if you would like to take action and make an individual difference, feel free to take a look at our list of resources on our Take Action page on our website. Thank you all for listening, and we wish our listeners a safe and secure rest of December.